listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, September the 9th in the year of our Lord, 2019. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. We're going to be taking a look at one of the readings for the 14th Sunday after Pentecost, which occurs on uh, September the 15th in the year of our Lord, 2019. Got a couple of things to say. Last week was the first time in four years that I did not have a preaching assignment at a congregation. I actually was at two congregations on Sunday for over a year, and they called a full-time pastor. So I am available on Sundays for preaching or even in becoming an interim pastor. And if you're at all interested, just email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. Lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. But I've got something else I want to share with you. You may have heard, if you've been listening, that my uh, brother-in-law, who's married to Louise's sister, they're both magicians, he and the wife. And for the last two years, I attended the magician conference that they have here in St. Louis. And I've been putting together a number of shall we say, type of program from a magician's point of view that really talks about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I know there are some doing that, and I talked to a few at the conference, but unfortunately they are not Lutheran, and so a lot of the times the points they were trying to make, I felt were not really biblical, So if you're at all interested in having me come for a half hour or an hour for children, and it doesn't matter what age, I've got some magical tricks that will help emphasize the message of the Bible. I'm really looking forward to this. If you're at all interested in talking to me about cost and where you're at, distance doesn't seem to matter to me much. If you're at all interested, email me at longgospel at longgospel101.com. Okay, so available for preaching on Sundays and also available for doing magical show of a half hour to an hour. All right, let's get to the lesson. I'll tell you, part of the problem with a three-year series of lessons is that they're packed full of wonderful items. And so, in light of the fact that we have Wednesday Bible study, I'm going to leave the Old Testament and Gospel and talk about that on Wednesday Bible study. And instead, we're going to look at the epistle for today, or I should say for the 14th Sunday after Pentecost. It's First Timothy chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. Now, 5 to 11 need not be part of the reading. It's in italics, but uh, we're going to take a look at it because it really helps us to understand verses 12 to 17. So without further ado, this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. 
The aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Now, I really believe that that's something this world does not understand. The past couple of weeks, we've been talking about how the world is at war against the church. And this is a great statement to keep in mind. Paul is talking about that the aim of our charge, in other words, when Paul became an apostle to the Gentiles, and of course he talked to Jews also, he wanted to issue forth from them a love from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. What does that mean? That means there is also such a thing called love that does not issue from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Now, if, if you ever want to see that, and I know a lot of you aren't living in St. Louis, you know, we, we get the Post-Dispatch, which is the paper here in St. Louis, which is always negative against the President of the United States. Every time they have his name, it's a negative article, and much of it is untrue. But they had an article yesterday bemoaning the fact that women in Missouri who want to have an abortion because of the laws in Missouri are restrictive. They are therefore going to other states such as Illinois. And they quoted a woman who was pregnant and she found out that the child that would be born had health problems. And so she went somewhere else and aborted the child. And here's what she said. My goal was to reduce suffering. And that's why I went ahead with the abortion. Now, of course, the suffering she's talking about is her suffering that would occur with a child that was not totally healthy and a lot of time that she would have to spend with that child because of the health issues. She totally forgot about the suffering of the child. Who knows what way of abortion was done on that child. But to talk about that the ch that, that was reducing suffering, you know, it just sounds like Nazi Germany, that, boy, these Jews are really causing a problem. Let's reduce suffering that we're experiencing due to them. And we do need to remember that many of the children that are aborted are Jewish or black. And therefore, I'll never forget when um, Mrs. Clinton asked the Roman Catholic nun, why don't we have a president of the United States? The Roman Catholic nun said, probably you aborted her. So Paul's talking about a love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. In other words, a love that is motivated properly, not out of self-interest, but out of Christ's interest. He goes on to explain what he's talking about. Verse 6, certain persons, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion. That's 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. He's talking to Timothy that in the world at that time, people have wandered away from sincere faith. 
a pure heart and good conscience, and they're making up their own rules, their own laws, and, and therefore they're into vain discussion. I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous, for example, that there was an, another letter to the editor in the Post-Dispatch where this individual was trying to make the point that from a scientific point of view, uh, fetus in the womb is not really considered a human person. Not until they have a breath. Now, there's absolutely no evidence that that is correct. And how about all those mothers who are pregnant and they show they're pregnant and you look at them and say, well, what's that thing within you? <laughs> and they're going to say, oh, it's really nothing. It's something that uh, won't become something until it breathes. No, no mother thinks that way who is not in vain discussion. Verse 7 is really interesting. Desiring to be teachers of the law without understanding what they are saying or the things about which they make confidential assertions. Uh, once more, just pick up most daily newspapers and start reading the editorial page. Uh, there was an article in today's paper about uh, homosexuality coming from certain genes. And, of course, if you read the actual article, there's no evidence that that is true. But our newspaper was trying to make the point that people are kind of born this way. Well, in a sense, we agree that people are born to do sin. We call it original sin. It's part of the fall of, because of Adam and Eve fell into sin, that every human being is born with sinful inclinations. That doesn't mean that, therefore, when they have these sinful inclinations to be, a, say, a thief or a liar or a murderer, that that's the way that God condones them because that's the way they were born. No. A, a lion, since the fall of humankind will have no problem in eating another human being, one after the other, if he's hungry. Now, are we going to say, well, he was born that way, so we can't really do anything about it? Of course not. Uh, such a lion would be called a predator, and people would go out to try and put it to death. So undue suffering by being eaten by a lion would not continue. But people are making up their own laws. I mean, that two people of the same gender could be married? Who thinks that that is a perfect law or a law at all? And yet they make confident assertions that that is okay. Verse 8. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, now this is really important. The law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, 
men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. See, this is what it means to use the law lawfully. It means according to the will of God. So there's a stop sign up. That has a penalty if you go through it. But the just who stop at a stop sign do not get penalized. But rather the lawless and disobedient get penalized. I was driving for Uber last evening, and at least three cars disobeyed stop signs and red lights. They just went right through them. And I don't even see how they were looking either way because they were traveling very fast. When when you drive in St. Louis uh, late at night, and one of my favorite times is between 10 at night till 4 in the morning because I get a lot of rides because most Uber drivers are older and they're in bed. But at any rate, I'm always careful when I come even to a green light. And I look both ways to make sure there's not a car coming. And twice last night, I had to just kind of put on the brakes because I wasn't sure the other car was going to stop. And, of course, you're looking behind you to make sure that the person behind you isn't going to bang into you and this kind of thing. So you give signals and all this sort of thing. But the fact of the matter is, is I rarely see the police pulling it over anybody for a traffic problem. Uh, sometimes for going over the speed limit, they do. But um, I'm, I'm not sure if there's a policy that they are not supposed to do that. But definitely in St. Louis late at night, when the light turned orange, that means speed up in order to get across it before it turns red. Now, this is somebody who's not using the law lawfully. So, after it says that whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine these people are doing, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. You see, when we give offerings at church, a lot of times churches have this little verse, they say, we give thee but thine own, whatever the gift may be, all that we have is thine alone, a trust, O Lord, from thee. We're entrusted with our possessions. And so we ought to use them in a way that gives glory to God. That's really, really important. Paul continues now in verse 12, writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy 1. I thank him who has given me strength. You see, Paul recognizes he did not have the strength. When he was Saul murdering Christians because they believed in Jesus Christ, he had no strength to stop. He had no power to stop. But who has given him the strength? Verse 12, Christ Jesus our Lord. Because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Now, it's not that he was saying what I was doing was faithful, but God recognized that Paul would be faithful 
if he understood the Bible properly. I mean, he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had all the right Pharisaical answers to just about anything. But they were all wrong from God's point of view in the sense that you're not saved by your works. You're not saved by following the ceremonial laws. You're saved through faith in Jesus Christ. And he makes it clear that when he says, God judged me faithful, that he's not talking about his former life. Because in verse 13, he says, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. To whom? Well, Jesus said it on the road to Damascus. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Now, remember, that's also said in Matthew 25 to the sheep. When do we do all these things? You did those to my brothers. For whatever you do to them, you're doing to me. Paul goes on. I received mercy. Now, what's mercy? Mercy is God's attitude that he's not going to get even with you for your sin. You're not going to get what you deserve. And he says an interesting thing that would be something to discuss. I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. Now, that's what Paul says under the power of the Holy Spirit. How many people do we know who are in unbelief, acting ignorantly because they really don't understand Jesus Christ. On Friday, I read another letter from the Post-Dispatch about some character who was saying that, boy, the the, the far-right movement of Christianity has made a new religion. And, of course, he had everything wrong about Christianity. He, he did not understand it at all. I saw a great movie. Um, it was uh, The Demon Possession of Michael. I saw that uh, Sunday night. I was just looking for something, and I saw it. And I have an Amazon.com, so I turned it on. It was an atheist who did not believe in God and said there was no such thing as a supernatural. So he went to some demon people, devil worshipers, and he did some incantations and he was possessed by a demon. It was really interesting movie. And he couldn't get rid of the demon. He almost killed his daughter. And boy, he was having a, a horrible time. And, and it kind of shows, indeed, what happens to people when they are atheists or agnostics, or as Paul says here, when they are not using God's law lawfully. So, he did this ignorant and unbelief, and he was brought to faith, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now, we often think of the word love as being really kind and patient and this kind of thing, but Jesus also showed love when he took a whip into the temple. That was an act of love. Any parent that doesn't discipline their children properly does not love their children. They don't care how they're going to grow up. 
And so discipline is actually an act of love. And the big difference between Christianity and every other religion, every other religion has a goal of reducing suffering. Whereas in Christianity, suffering is something God permits in order to strengthen our faith. And so we don't shy away from suffering. In fact, we hear promises that we will be persecuted for our stance. And what is our stance? A stance the world can't stand. It's verse 15 of 1 Timothy 1. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Do you consider yourself the foremost sinner? Oftentimes when I ask this question, somebody will say, oh, no, I think Hitler was worse than me. No. You have to understand that there is no degrade, uh, differences in distinction between sin and the spiritual realm. Whether you eat a fruit from the forbidden tree or whether you kill Jews in mass, both of those are rebellious statements against the God of the Bible and deserve nothing but temporal and eternal punishment. But Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And the more you know how much you are a sinner, the more you agree with Paul, boy, I'm the foremost of sinners. I'm the biggest of sinners. Verse 16. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, okay, Paul was definitely considered a huge sinner by Christians. Uh, remember when he finally was converted, they still doubted whether or not he was not really planning to put Christians to death. But he received mercy for this reason, Jesus, that Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. So there's many Christians at the time of Paul when he was converted. They really doubted that he had been converted. And he had a great reputation for finding Christians, putting them in prison, and voting to murder them. How could they trust such a man? But when they came to realize as he preached uh, in the synagogues on a daily basis and as he suffered for Jesus, wow, that showed God's patience. And, and therefore, every one of us who I, I'm sure don't go as far as Paul did in murdering Christians, we can recognize that we have the same God, Jesus Christ, who in his perfect patience will give us eternal life. So he ends this particular section we're looking at 1 Timothy 1, 5 through 17. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. That's almost like the end of a sermon. And I, I know there's a, a hymn I've heard, uh, the immortal, invisible, God, only God, and it's a wonderful hymn. This is the God we worship. We worship a God that desires that we have 
his love, which would be coming from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. In other words, the old Adam only does love out of self-interest, but the new man does love out of love for Jesus Christ. And that comes about as we read the Bible and begin to look at the law lawfully. In other words, according to how God set it up. And do not listen to these false teachers who are saying that God's law is no longer applicable to us. Or that people can be saved if they're Hindus, Muslims, etc. without believing in Jesus Christ. That's a contradiction of the Bible. And that's why it's important that in love we share the message because who knows how many Saul's on the road to Damascus will become Paul's in preaching even to the Gentiles. The hymn we're going to be looking at uh, tomorrow comes right out of our reading. Jesus sinners doth receive. No other religion teaches that, that their God receives disobedient people. Tomorrow with Mark, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.